Welcome to the PAM podcast from KXE in London. As a church, we want to learn ways of being with Jesus, becoming like him and doing the things he did in order to see the city we love transformed. This podcast is a resource to help us explore these spirit-filled patterns of living and start putting them to practice every day. For this podcast, we invited Caleb Meekins to discuss what it means for us to practice being undignified. Caleb is an entrepreneur who founded a movement called Shift, and over the last few years he's been living in Ethiopia, starting a social enterprise called Bake and Brew. He's been rather unflatteringly called an expert in failure, but it turns out that's not such a bad thing. So thank you so much, Caleb, for being here with us. I know you just got back from a flight from Ethiopia. Yeah. So um, we really appreciate you coming in. And you've probably drawn the short straw with this one because undignified is probably one of our most obscure practices that we've got. Um, But how would you describe it and what do you think it's got to do with apprenticing Jesus? Yeah, so, I mean, when we think about undignified, the thing that I'm drawn to is, or scripture references is David like dancing undignified and it was this honorable thing in a way and I think why I find it so interesting or so exciting is how closely it's linked to to almost dying to self and Mm. when we read about scripture dying to self is is really coming alive it's living so living undignified I think is is so close to living fully and living entirely for God and um, being undignified if you boil it down is really not caring what people think, right? It's to live dignified is to to really care about other people's observations of who you are and, and how you live. Being undignified is is really saying that doesn't influence me, that doesn't shape me. And so I feel for all of us, if we truly understand what it means to live undignified or walk undignified, we're truly living in, a, in an awareness of what it looks like to die to self and, and live in Christ. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why for me it's quite an interesting one and why it's so linked to following Jesus and apprenticing Jesus because that's what he calls us to, to, to follow him and to die to ourselves and to come alive. Mm, that's great. What do you think the relationship is between this thing of being undignified and also failure? Yeah, so I think um, both are linked to heavy, heavily caring about what other people think about you. So... Um, we're afraid of failure or we don't want to fail because it's undignified. It's, it's others will look at you less. And so I feel um, failure is closely linked to it because it similarly is, is heavily defined by those around you, right? So mm-hmm. once you ignore that, then I think that's where it unlocks mm-hmm. true living. And if you dream big and you want to try and achieve something that hasn't been achieved, the risk of failure is incredibly high and you may not achieve it. And so the, the shame that comes with it is what other people think and you think they might think lesser of you. And so it affects, affects you. So um, similarly, living undignified is, is this idea that others will think less of you um, because you're not living in the state, like in the status quo. Mm. Um, so both are about breaking boundaries, I think. In some ways, it's a bit about freedom, isn't it? Like actually living Absolutely. free from all of that stuff. Um, and how is it you've come to care about this so much? Because I know like, um, I've seen some of your YouTube stuff. Why don't you just tell a little bit about that, what the project was, and also like why you kind of got into it? Yeah, so um, I studied civil engineering at university and... Um, very undignified. Very <laughs> undignified, you know? And, well, some of the the work 
on the side of the, mm. the motorway for, for a good year and a bit felt undignified. <laughs> <laughs> or at least how I was getting shouted at felt undignified. Um, but no, I think along the way of doing a master's, it was like a five-year course at Loughborough University. The biggest thing I learned was I, I don't want to be a civil engineer for, for whatever reasons, the, the heavy technical aspect. And there was various things about it that I didn't necessarily enjoy and there was bits about it that I did. And so I realised the things I did enjoy would probably be things that I would excel better at outside of an engineering career. So um, when I came to finish, I wanted to do, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I wanted to set up businesses. I wanted to create things that hadn't been created. I, I, I wanted to do stuff that hadn't been done in a way. And I had big aspirations and big dreams as to what I wanted to try and do. Um, but very quickly realized just how difficult it would be, how pessimistic just the, gen the culture was around trying stuff like this. Um, and so I realized like if I was to go on and achieve the things I wanted to achieve, I would have to overcome this fear of failure because that was the thing that was getting in the way of me going for it. Um, so it was just a kind of on the way home um, from somewhere, bumped into an old friend who I was telling what I wanted to do and kind of what the barriers were to trying to do it. And he said, oh, you should check out uh, this concept called rejection therapy, which was uh, a card game. And I looked into it and, and saw someone in the US who'd done like this card game for a hundred days and um, found himself really growing as he exposed himself to rejection essentially. And I thought I could do a really cool social project over the period of Lent, call it my 40 days. And rather than take challenges from this car, these cards, I could invite society like my friends to give me challenges that they thought were impossible and one I would grow two I hopefully would inspire myself and others to to overcome this stuff and it, it might be fun so um created a Facebook page and then just told people what I was going to do and invited them to give me challenges and so the thing slowly snowballed and these challenges were outrageous and so I had to add some rules to it and just said, okay, it has to be challenging. Obviously it has to be entertaining because it's a social project and I'm going to be filming it and putting it on YouTube. Uh, and it has to be legal. Uh, there was no way I was going to be getting, uh, going to prison for, for, for anyone's inspiration or entertainment. So, uh, limited the, the, the challenges and, and embarked on this project. And so day one was like our strangers for a hundred pounds and, I went to South Kensington of all places. I thought if anybody's going to drop a hundred pounds on me, it's here. Uh, no one gave me a hundred pounds. In fact, the level of rejection that I felt that day made me feel so, so small. And even though I didn't think people would give me the money, I still was heavily influenced and impacted by just people's no and, and the way they looked at me, the way they spoke to me. So I knew it wasn't going to be an easy project. And so the next one was to try and get into somewhere. Another was to, um, they took lighthearted and, and more serious themes. One was to get a fast food chain to cook my uh, raw chicken. So I turn up at this place and I try and get McDonald's to cook my like two kilogram naked chicken. Uh, never caused such a reaction in my life before. Um, so those are more lighthearted. I obviously failed. Then there was more serious themed ones like, I always found it difficult if I fancied someone or I had a crush on them to ask them out. I was terrified. I don't know what it would do. Like it, it, it was paralyzing. And so the challenge was to go to Carnaby street and just profess my love to women on the streets. <laughs> <laughs> and like, 
Any success? Very unsuccessful. <laughs> um, but I grew. And, and actually by doing that challenge, I was able to pluck up the courage and, and ask out someone I was interested in. And uh, I always lean back on that experience to go, okay, what's the worst that could happen? And so I learned these valuable, valuable lessons as I did this. And, and I think ultimately discovered that, yeah, fear of failure is essentially fearing what people think. And it couldn't have been more truer than in one challenge where I was asked to lie down in a public place, um, Waterloo Station, which was hugely busy, one of the busiest stations in London. And I just couldn't do it. I was terrified. I was, I, I don't know what it was. It was an easy challenge on paper, but the idea of just lying down on the floor, I just felt like I, I, I can't. And eventually, eventually did it. And didn't even lie down for too long. But when I got up, I just felt, felt this huge sense of freedom, liberation. And I don't know whether I was afraid that people would, would think I'd fallen over or cracked my head or I was homeless or I don't know what it was. But when I got up, I just felt this freedom. And I realized that it was, I was, I was, I, I cared too much about what other people thought. And the crazy thing was no one asked me how I was or what I was doing. And so I realized we care so much about what people think, people who we don't even know or who actually don't care. They just don't, they, ha, they, they don't care. And so I realized in life, we, we have these invisible boundaries that, that we put on ourselves around what's acceptable, what we can achieve, where we can go, where we can study, dependent on what we've been told or our social status or how we look. And so fear of failure is, is essentially boiled down to caring what people think. And actually to achieve what we want to achieve, we need to break out of that comfort zone. We need to break out of that view of us. And so why it's linked to being undignified is that is that same thing of coming out of our comfort zone, not caring what people think in our worship, mm-hmm. in our in our pursuit of God, in our pursuit of seeing his kingdom come. There's something so releasing and so liberating and saying, I I I live and I perform and I I do life for, for an audience of one who who's God, Jesus. And so I think that's why for me, um, doing this project has linked to a, a deeper revelation in understanding the value of, of living undignified for, for God. Mm, that's amazing. How do you think purposefully pursuing this stuff has actually shaped you? And has it changed you in ways that you were expecting and ways that have surprised you? I think I found that if I did this project, I would become numb to failure. I thought I would become numb to the cares of other people. But I, I realized very quickly that that wasn't the case. I, I, I found when I was getting rejected and rejecting, I became more fearful. So the trick wasn't to, to numb fear. And, and even Brené Brown speaks about how if you numb one emotion, you numb all emotions. And so I realized very quickly the aim wasn't to, to become uh, fearless in a way. The aim was to feel the fear and still learn to overcome it. And so I think when we talk about being undignified, when we talk about not caring what people think, it's it's not a matter of like having this stone cold exterior and interior to, to people's view of you. It's actually learning how to overcome that care of what other people think, learning to push yourself out of your comfort zone, learning certain tools, particularly around what it looks like to live that way. And it could be anything from sharing your faith to actually pursuing someone you're interested in or pursuing a, a career or a job you might be interested in. So actually it's, it's, I think it's, it's for a whole bunch of things. Um, so key to, to, to know how to 
um, step of our, of our comfort zone. Like, have, you, have you noticed like it changed the way in which you relate to God as well? Um, yeah, I think I think deep down there was like a, a desire to. I think I'm an evangelist, like mm. in my core, mm. but the most disappointed evangelist of myself because I I, I I'm not practicing like I want to practice, and I feel. Um, I'm really, really challenged by the fact that some of my friends, I may be the only Christian they know, right? And so there's a responsibility on me to be intentional in in being a witness, in in sharing both in my in how I live, but also how I speak. And so I felt deep down there was there would be a hope that as I did this project, it would translate in, into my ability to also learn how to share my faith, both to friends, but also to to strangers and to be open to God's prompting to speak to people um, on the streets and stuff. And I, and I think um, I'm a long way off still very much so from, from being at a place where I would love to, to be proactive in this area, but it's definitely challenged me in ways that I couldn't have imagined where, where I can say, okay, if, if we're to, if we're to break um, certain ways of doing things, certain culture is, is going to need, huge stepping out of our comfort zones and practicing of that it's practicing un- undignified living um so i think my relationship with god has has, has been impacted in um re- like trying to, to to lean on that idea of god just may i daily die to myself may i daily put my own needs to, to one side and and put you first and that's I, that's that's the, what i think he calls us to and so i found there's been an intimacy in in trying to practice that dying to self. Mm. Um, but it's the, the project, the concept has hugely changed me. It's why I'm in Ethiopia now, I think. Mm. Um, I found myself being invited to go and speak to places about fear of failure and rejection. And um, I, I, I would speak at different universities and stuff and, and I'd be invited in as the expert on failure, which was never a dignified thing to be <laughs> titled. Um, but that opened it a door to do a TEDx and then when, once you do a TEDx you're, you're the world's expert on failure <laughs> so you're suddenly clumped into this thing but wherever I'd go I would start by saying if if you couldn't fail what would you do and that tapped into people's deep dreams desires motivations um and and it did for me too and so I asked myself that question after several months of, of doing various talks and I realized I'd go back to Ethiopia I would set up companies that employed many, many people and impacted the country and the city in hugely significant ways. And then I just thought, why am I still here? Mm. And so even the next steps that I took to to pursue what I felt God had called me to were a direct result of learning that I wouldn't let failure or being dignified shape my life decisions. That's amazing. And taking this out from like the the personal, like, you know, thinking about as a whole community, if this was something that we didn't on and started pursuing this lifestyle of being undignified, what impact do you imagine it having? Oh, even the thought of it is, is, is incredible because I think, look at London, it's, it's huge city influencing culture, society and, and in a big way, it's all about conformity in, in to, to some degree, like we, People try and be diff- different, but actually in everyone trying to be different, they look the same. And, and there's a certain way of doing things. Um, what's acceptable, not acceptable. You sit on the tube, you don't talk, you don't 
do eye contact, you don't smile. And so there's such an opportunity to break into the everyday with a little bit of, of non-conformity, do you know what I mean? Where you're able to smile at people and just say, oh, I, you're on the tube. Imagine just going to someone, hey, I just felt that you should know that God loves you. Like, I know it's so weird. I know it's out there, but that person's not going to turn around and, and be offended. They're going to be like, whoa, okay. That took a lot of courage to tell me there may be something in this. Or, I mean, even just being open to hearing God's voice, to speaking to people becomes an option when you decide to live in a way that isn't shaped by what others think. So in a, in a, in a society that is so conf- about conformity, to be countercultural is like breaking open the roof and allowing light in a, in a truly, truly magnificent way. So I think it does am, am, amazing things to, to the potential of growing a, a community and a church. I think it does huge things in um, just bonding within the community itself, sharing stories of people stepping out of their comfort zone, sharing stories of people living undignified. I think um, it allows the church to be the church. We were never created to sit comfortably we were never created to just fit into the everyday we were were created to 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 be this like radical body of believers that that transform our society that speak and sit with the homeless that speak life into the broken that that are used to to see sight of the blind it's it's isaiah 61 i mean that stuff is not about conformity and i think Living undignified is, 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 is accepting the challenge to, to be used by God in, in big, big ways. So I don't think you can be the same if you accept the challenge to live undignified as a community. Okay. And like moving now into like a, like the more practical stuff, like what do you think the un- internal factors are that hold people back from being undignified? Um, I, I think it is that thing of, of not challenging why we do things or why we care about what other people think. And I think internally it's just, I think our body temperature adapts to our surroundings, right? And so if you don't challenge it, you just go with the flow. It's like a stream. You just, you just go. It takes an intentional saying, stop. Let's just reassess what we're doing, why we're doing it, how we're doing it. Otherwise, whether it's one year or 20 years, you, you, we see it in the church. We see so many people just never challenge why they do what they're doing and so fall into this just powerless entity that sits there looking like it fits in. And so I feel we need to challenge that. And I think that's what happens internally is we never challenge why we're the same temperature as that around us. And so never it's that whole difference between a thermostat and a thermometer. And I think we're called to be the thermostat. We're called to set the temperature and, and that takes pushing out of the everyday, out of the normal. So I, f- I feel that's what needs to go on an intentional stopping and saying, am I living the way God has called me to? Am I, am I seeing the things that we read in scripture? Am I seeing lives being transformed around me? And then if, you're, if the answer is no, then there's a, there's a risk that we've become thermometers rather than thermostats. So I think the beauty of community and doing it as a, as a group is you can challenge each other. You, you, you've given permission to each other to say, what are we going to do this week? What are we going to do that's going to push us out of our comfort zone? And then we can come back and, and share the failures, share the successes, share the laughter, share the tears of, of it going right, it going wrong, it going un, unexpectedly. Um, 
So I'd, I'd say that's where stories are formed as well. I think we love hearing stories, but maybe few of us are part of stories. And I think this is where it changes when we challenge our internal thinking of what's what's normal and then challenging ourselves to do to do it differently. And it doesn't have to be like huge. I think start small, just like you know each other better than I do or, or, or the leadership does. And so I think it's about calling a few friends together or even in, in these community groups and saying, how are we going to challenge each other in ways that is accessible, but we will grow together. You said something earlier, which I just want to come back to, about like when you were kind of feeling like a little bit bruised after these like moments of rejection. Um, like, and then you, you said it there, like coming back to, to community. But was there anything like particularly like within your know, devotional life of like encountering God in that? And like, what did that look like? What advice would you, or even just like really practical advice, like... Um, the recovery, like how do you recover from those moments well? Yeah, so I, I think um, knowing what the deeper motivation is, the deeper why of what you do is so, so key. And I think as I was doing this project, the deeper why was, well, this will encourage so many people. And this will, even though I don't know how I'm going to, how to deal with this just yet, the bigger picture is these videos are going to be watched by lots of people and hopefully they will un- unlock some of the potential that they have. And so... I think that's a really big one is really tapping into the the why, like why, why live undignified? Why pursue Jesus with everything that you have? And if you don't have a good answer, don't do it. Like, don't, don't fake muster this stuff up. Like, I, I think that's where a deep devotion to following Jesus transforms into just religious drill is, is you forget the why. And so I would say tapping back into the why. And and for me, that looks like coming back to the beginning of, of why we believe what we believe. Is Jesus real? Does he call us to, to living differently? What's all that about, you know? And so I think understanding why is is, is a game changer. And um, I think we should all, all be challenging ourselves on, on, on that question. Um, so what would the, the first practical steps be then for someone who's like, okay, I want to go after this being undignified? What's the first thing they should do? Yeah, so I think one is it starts at home. Like if we're talking about undignifiably pursuing Jesus, it's like David worshipped undignified. It was, it was, I think his lifestyle was an overflow of his quiet time and his private time. Uh, I think some of the most intimate, most... Um, times of my life where I've seen real going off the God in an exciting way was I, I could relate it back to my quiet time in my bedroom, like putting on worship and, and just praising him and seeking him and praying, use me and at times crying. Like I, I long for those days because I, re, I as I speak, I realize those were days of, of, of early when, when I really began following Jesus. And I think it's a challenge to myself to go home and actually create those environments again. Um, so I do th- I feel it has to be a, a reflection of our own private life too. But as you as you think, okay, I want to pursue a, a life of this undignified, I think, like I said, in community, maybe asking, how are we gonna how are we gonna begin thinking about living differently? And it might be, okay, today just say hi to someone on the tube. Like say I, I used to challenge myself. I I remember I saw someone with these really nice glasses and I I just couldn't tell her that I liked them. <laughs> Maybe I thought she'd think I was hitting on her, but there's definitely a sense of, no, what is wrong with me? Why can't I just... And that spiraled me to do a challenge around going out and complimenting people for a day. And I realised I 
I struggle to give compliments. And, and, and then I realize it's because people don't know how to take compliments, but that shouldn't affect me giving compliments. And so you really go, okay, let, let me, let me challenge that. And so maybe in community, if it's about pursuing God in an undignified way, it's saying, what does he call us to? One, he, he, he calls us to, to share the good news of the gospel. And so what does that look like to, to express and explore ways of sharing our faith? Um, I think Alpha is an incredible, incredible tool, but we've, we've outsourced evangelism and sharing our faith to, to that when actually God wants to unlock huge, huge opportunities of sharing our faith in every context, in every space that we find ourselves in. So I'd say that's probably a, a really great place to start. God also wants to bring healing. He wants to bring, um, he wants to fix lives. And so being open to him speaking to us for praying for people is another way. And so you don't necessarily have to go out and do this on your own. It, it could be in a group to take a Saturday afternoon and say, in a group, we're just going to go out and we're going to challenge ourselves on this stuff. And I think it takes practice to grow and, and, and develop in this stuff. But if we, if, we, if we don't stop and just challenge ourselves, it, we'll never do it. Just as we finish up, are there any like final encouragements you've got for us as a church around this area of being undignified? Um, yeah, I mean... Um, just recently I was with some friends who, who, who explained just how much they disagreed with the church and had been hurt by the church and didn't really have much time for it. And I was thinking, okay, well, how, like, how do I bring, like, what do I do to, to, to create an opportunity to keep speaking to them about it? And I'd heard someone had, uh, their family wasn't Christian and they, she just go, just bought them Bibles and said, would you be open to reading it together? And, um, family said like yeah so she did a weekly bible study with a family who weren't believers and i just thought that was unbelievable so i just said to these two girls would you be open if i if i got you bibles that we did like beer and bibles on a friday night and they were like sure and so it was so out of my comfort zone to to even propose that like the bible study is what you do with christians right it's what you do at church it's not something you do with with beer and wine on a Friday night as pre-drinks, right? So um, we did it and it was only meant to be an hour. It lasted four hours. And um, I was just what came out, even for me, finding incredible kind of blessing in that, in that place. And so I would just say like, don't like why that links to being undignified is, is anyone would say, well, they'll, they, they don't believe this stuff. What are they going to think of it? Like, it's the Bible, it's the heart of, of our faith. Like they're going to say no, but simply by making an offer, you find uh, the, that was a big thing I discovered in the project was I thought I would get rejected and rejected, but actually I was finding I was succeeding more uh, than I thought I would. And so I would just say, step out in faith. Often faith is spelled R-I-S-K. And so I would just encourage the church and, and community to, to push ourselves. I think that's when we truly come alive. There's a, famous quote that life begins at the end of our comfort zones. Uh, Google who said it because I've forgotten. But that's what I would, I agree. I agree because I think that's when we rely on God to step in. And I feel our faith and our spiritual practices will come alive when we realize the significance of dying to self and being undignified. Thank you so much, Caleb. I it's think you've given us a lot like, in terms of like, I think it's going to help set us free to, to pursue the more that God has for us. So I massively appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Pattern Podcast. 
If you'd like to explore more spiritual patterns of living, head over to pattern.org.uk.